Hello, friends. Welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 28th day of December. I am Paul White. It is a Tuesday. That means we have our final Tuesday evening Bible study of 2021 tonight with our group in Flowery Branch, Georgia, and we will post that meeting tomorrow at paulwhiteministries.com. If you like the audio, you can get it wherever you're listening to this podcast. We are in the fourth week, I believe, of our journey into the Sermon on the Mount. And there's a lot of stuff to talk about in that series, including the Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer and these long segments of Jesus giving new instructions is probably the right way to say it because, you know, you heard it said, but I say. And uh, we're going at it from all kinds of angles. The one angle we're not going at it from is left to right, top to bottom, sequentially verse by verse. I'm not too worried about handling it that way um, because so much of the Sermon on the Mount permeates the rest of Jesus' life and the rest of the New Testament. And, And honestly, Christianity as we know it. So It's not as if you have to go from the beginning. In fact, we're not even numbering them sequentially in the series. It's just a different title every week and a different passage from the Sermon on the Mount. And so jump in. I think you'll be blessed and I know you'll be challenged to at least think, I don't know if you should say outside the box, but to at least think differently perhaps than you have before in regards to this sermon. We are with Paul in Galatians 4. We are in this because Paul picks up his argument that we are sons and not slaves by doing a comparative analysis of two covenants. And to do so, he picks an unlikely set of biblical characters, Sarah and Hagar, and he couples them with Isaac and Ishmael. Of course, Isaac and Ishmael are the sons of Sarah and Hagar. The father of those boys is Abraham. Paul has just spent a considerable amount of the third chapter explaining that Abraham is the father of everyone who puts faith in Christ. And then he gives a comparison between two kinds of children. So let's not let it be lost that Paul, coming from Judaism, and he would have considered himself still a Jew who has found his Messiah, is trying to make a contrast between those who consider themselves sons of Abraham because they are Jews by birth and circumcised versus those who have accepted Christ, many of whom are not Jews. In fact, contextually, if you go back to, say, Galatians 2, when Paul is talking about his companions in the faith and he's defending the gospel of grace, He says that he preached among the Gentiles and that even in in Galatians 2.3, even Titus, a Greek, uh, not even Titus was compelled to be circumcised. In other words, your message of circumcision as a demand for salvation isn't working and and uses Titus the Greek as an example. Um, So his whole argument then has been Abraham's seed is Christ. Those in Christ receive the promises made to Abraham, and that is not limited to Jews. In fact, Paul's even saying, and we'll say as much before the end of the chapter, that that doesn't even have anything to do with it. Being Jewish or being circumcised doesn't make you part of the family. What makes you part of the family is faith in Christ. That's actually why Paul ends up in chapter 5 arguing against circumcision. 
It's not because he thinks it's a brutal practice. It's because he sees that Judaism uses it as the gateway into the inheritance, and Paul disagrees. So to set that argument up, he has given us a woman with, and I'm, I'm going a little bit over to a couple of things we did yesterday, two sons, one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. The one by the bondwoman was by the flesh. The one by the free woman was through promise. Let's get into verse 24. There's a, a weird verse break, 23, 24. Um, which things are symbolic is how chapter is how verse 24 kicks off, which is simply the last four words of a sentence that seem like it could have easily ended verse 23, but I'll not argue where it should have been broken up. I want to start after the period. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, the, the, the word the is not actually in the Greek there. These are two covenants. Paul's not trying to say there's only two covenants. It reads that way in the English, but not quite in the Greek. These are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. And so it's a little odd the way Paul words it because he's writing like a preacher who gets a bit diverted. He says, these are two covenants, one from Mount Sinai. He never says the other. You would expect for him to say, and then the other is from. But he does. He, I guess he feels like he doesn't have to because he gives Sinai, which has natural Jerusalem, and then Jerusalem above. That's his contrast. So his covenantal contrast is one comes from Sinai, and the other one comes from above. Okay, what covenant in the Bible came from Sinai and the answer came on Sinai? And the answer is the Mosaic Covenant, what we often call the Old Covenant. This constitutes everything from the middle of the book of Exodus all the way up to, and this becomes a great argument as to when does the Old Covenant end. I personally believe its efficacy was broken at Calvary when Jesus broke the back of the Old Covenant by the 30 pieces of silver prophecy being fulfilled. But it lingers as long as a natural temple is standing. And that's why we see a crossover in the New Testament where the Old Covenant is still being preached and adhered to, but the New Covenant is being preached and people being saved into. And that's why you get to Hebrews 8 and it says, that which is old is ready to vanish away. And and unfortunately, we don't have much past the fall of the temple in the New Testament, if any, depending on when you think all the books were written. And therefore, we don't ever really get to see a lot of writing in which there is no influence of the old covenant. And so what we have to do is wherever we think the old covenant ends, we have to at least admit that the new covenant which is from above, is inaugurated in Christ. And the, any lap over then is going to happen because they haven't let go of the old covenant. That's why the eschaton of the New Testament, the last day's preaching of the New Testament, is to end that old system. And so 
It's the last days of the old Mosaic economy. So when Paul says the two covenants, one from Sinai, he's inserting the Sinai covenant as if it is an allegory, as if the story of Hagar and Ishmael make up the story of the old covenant. He knows that they weren't under the old covenant, but let's use them as a comparison. See, they are the product of the flesh. They are the product of effort whereas Sarah and Isaac are the product of promise. We'll continue this comparison because there's a lot to be said. We'll do it tomorrow. We'll see you then. God bless.